0: And so you see all throughout the Gospels that Jesus, he went about doing good. Acts, uh, I think it's Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says, he, Jesus went about how Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good, healing all those that he, that he went to and, and, and setting people free and preaching the good news. And basically, that's what Jesus did. Um, if you look at, at uh, the, the, basically from the beginning of the Gospels to the end of the Gospels, you see that Jesus' ministry was marked with a few things, okay? When Jesus went anywhere, he was, he was uh, always looking to to do what he saw his father was doing. And everywhere he went, you see over and over and over again, you see the blind being healed, you see demons coming out of people, you see uh, that that people need that need healing, you see even the crippled were walking, you see all these incredible realities, you see people are getting saved, you see people getting set free, uh, you see people are getting their sins forgiven, you see all these things that are happening. And so then finally you see starting in like Matthew chapter 10 and Luke chapter 10, the story starts to change. Not only is it Jesus doing it, but who else is doing it? Disciples. They start going out. And guess what the disciples were able to do? It says that Jesus also in in Matthew 10 gave them authority over unclean spirits and over sickness. And he basically says everything you've been seeing me do, if you read Matthew chapter 8 and 9, it's like an explosive two chapters of miracles, signs, and wonders. It's like, it's one of the, if, if you actually think about what happened in those two chapters, like it would be on global headline news if someone went around and did that, like what, what you read. And then he's like, all right, now you saw me do that. Now you have authority and go do the same. So he sends them out two by two, and they go out, and they preach the good news. And what happens? They heal the sick. They proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. They cast out demons, and the demons actually have to leave people because of the authority that Jesus gave. They come back, and they're super excited, right? And then I think it's in Luke. Jesus is like, don't celebrate that the demons submitted to you, but instead, don't be so excited about that. Be excited that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life, right? He's like, don't think you're all that just because the demons obeyed you. This isn't even that big of a deal. Listen, it's my authority that I gave you. But he gave them this authority that they can go and they, they could do these things. So they do that throughout their entire ministry. Jesus dies on the cross. He's resurrected on the third day. Then he says something that's one of the most astounding statements that Jesus ever made. He told them this. He said, it's better that I leave. Because when I go, my father, he'll send the Holy Spirit or the paraclete. The Holy Spirit's going to come to you. And I don't know if you guys can imagine hanging out with a resurrected man that you knew 100% without a doubt he was dead, like dead, 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 dead. You saw him, he was dead, and then now he's alive, and he's walking through walls and appearing to you, and you know he's God, and you get to hang out with him. Can you guys imagine how fun that would have been? Like, amazing, right? And then he looks at you, and he says, no, it's better that I leave. I would have been like, Jesus, you're wrong. It's not better that you leave. You need to hang out with us forever. This is awesome. And he's like, no, actually... There's a reality even better than hanging out with me. And I can imagine them being like, there's nothing better than hanging out with you, Jesus, right? It even says on the walk to Emmaus, as Jesus talked, their hearts burned within them. Can you imagine what it was like to be with him? And yet he said, there's something better coming. And he says in Acts chapter one, he says, I want you to do this. I want you to wait and tarry in Jerusalem after I leave. And and, uh, God's gonna send the power of the Holy Spirit upon you. And you're gonna be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter two. They wait. There's 120 there. The Holy Spirit crashes in on them, and then they step into their destiny as a church. What begins to happen? They begin to preach the good news. Thousands of people are born again. They they go into the temple area. They uh, they see a, a a lame beggar. He's raised up, and his his he's completely healed. And they actually get, like, in really big trouble because of of healing this guy because everyone knew he had been lame. And then you see throughout the entire book of Acts that the church began to do everything that Jesus did. And they they were able to heal the sick. They were able to cast out demons. They were able to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And the gospel message was never just uh, an intellectual, philosophical, spiritual message that was brought to convince someone to believe and, and change religions or put their faith in a religion, the gospel message always was coupled with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And In fact, the Apostle Paul, he said, I didn't come to you with wise and eloquent words. In other words, I didn't bring you all my apologetics and, 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 and Hebrew training, and I didn't bring that to you. You know what he did? Even though he had all that, he humbled himself. He came in weakness. And when he preached to them, the power of the Holy Spirit moved, and they knew when the Holy Spirit moved on people that it wasn't Paul, but it was the presence of God. It was the power of God. He, he knew that when he ministered to people, he didn't want them to get him. He didn't want them to get argued into the kingdom because then he knows they can get argued out of the kingdom. Not that you can technically get argued out of salvation, but I'm just saying, you can talk someone into something, someone can talk them out of it. But if the Holy Spirit touches someone and marks someone when you're ministering to them, Nothing can change what just happened in their life. I was, uh, I was in Malawi with, uh, with a few of the guys. We go into a supermarket, and there's a woman, and she follows us in, and she scares us. And she works at the supermarket, and uh, she's like sir, you're not allowed to bring that in the store. And we were like, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. We had, like, some, some food from a restaurant we were just at. And we were like, so, so sorry. And she's like, I'm just kidding. And we were like, oh, okay. And she's like, I'm the manager here. And we were like, oh, cool. And uh, she said, I, and we are like, oh, do you want some? We had some dessert. And she's like, I can't eat that. I'm diabetic. And I said, oh, let us pray for you right now. She's like, okay, yeah, you can pray for me. And I could just tell it was like really weird to her, you know, but she was like, okay, yeah. And so we pray for her. And uh, she's, like, uh, she's like, what are you guys looking for? And I was like, ice cream. She said, like, okay. So she takes the ice cream and we leave. And we're literally walking away. We're outside of the store and we're, we're going back to our hotel and as we're going back, suddenly someone grabs me, and it's this woman. And she's like, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. And she said, when you prayed for me, something happened to me. And I was like, what do you mean? I don't know. I felt something. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, I, I don't know. But when you prayed, something happened to me. And I was like, well, that's awesome. That's good, right? She's like, yeah. She's like, I've never had an experience like that. And I was like, well, that's awesome. God loves you so much. And she's like, yeah. She's like, what church do you go to? And I was like, well, I'm not from here. And she's like, okay. And she's like, what are you doing here? And I told her, and she's like, wow. And she's like, and I was like, what church do you go to? And she's like, well, I don't, yeah, I go, a, I go to a different kind of church. And I was like, okay. And so we started to, to share the gospel with her, and we were going to minister to her. And, and eventually she's like, I'm a Muslim. And we're like, oh, Okay. I was like, you know, Jesus loves Muslims. She's like, okay. And I was like, he loves you so much. And I said, you know what you experience when we pray for you? You experience the Holy Spirit. She's like, wow. And I was like, yeah. I was like, do you want to receive the Holy Spirit tonight? And she's like, yes, I want that. And I was like, okay. And so I began to explain to her. And we began to pray for her to be forgiven of her sins. And she confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. And she right there renounced Islam and confess Jesus Christ as God in her life. And she looks at me, and, and, and I, was able, I was able to encourage her afterwards. I told her, I told her this. I said, I want you to pray this prayer every day. I want you to pray, Prince of Peace, you're the Lord of my life. And so she messaged me about a week later, and she said, I've been praying that prayer every day. And she said, it's working. It's working in my life. And she told me before we left that, that the Holy Spirit, that she didn't know what it was, but something touched her, as soon as we started praying for her. Guys, people don't need us to argue them into the kingdom. People need us to bring an encounter with the living God into wherever they are at in that moment. Because when they encounter him, they want more of him. That's what we need to do. And so when we proclaim the message and the good news of the kingdom, who's with us everywhere we go? Who's with us? He's always with us. When you walk in that reality, you're able to, like, like the stories I'm telling you aren't like years ago. Like I could tell you probably dozens more stories from just the last two weeks of people getting saved, of people getting healed, of people casting demons out of people. I probably cast, I don't know, 15 demons out of people in the last two weeks. Like people that were literally possessed by demons, like that freaks some people out. The reality is that what Jesus did in the Bible and the disciples did in the Bible when they proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, he wants us to walk in every single day of our lives. And this is not like pie in the sky. This isn't crazy. There's people right here in Jacksonville that are just waiting for us to step into our destinies as sons and daughters and begin to proclaim the message of the kingdom, begin to see people saved, healed, and delivered everywhere we go. Amen? Amen. I want to talk about sharing the good news. Jonathan's going to come up. We're going to talk about praying for the sick. We're going to talk about uh, giving people encouraging words. So we're going to do three quick activities like this. Boom, 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 boom. Okay? And so the three activities we're going to do is, number one, we're going to talk about sharing our stories. Number two, we're going to continue learning how to hear God's voice. And number three, we're going to learn how to minister to someone who needs healing. And, uh, and I think there's something powerful about being out and about And if you find out someone has a need that you need to pray for, it's just knowing how to minister to them and how to bring healing and breakthrough into their lives because I believe that God wants to use us as a body of Christ. Not that every person we pray for ever is gonna get healed, but I believe that we can pray for people and expect that some of them are gonna get healed. And why do some people get healed and some people don't? I don't really understand, but I know that we've been commissioned to pray for and heal the sick, amen? I also know, you know, God has called us to share the good news with them, and every single one of us have a story to share. And so I want to do a quick illustration, and we're going to talk about uh, sharing the gospel, sharing the good news. Again, I want to look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8 again. Jesus said this, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples in all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've taught you, right? So he he commissions his disciples to go forth. Mark chapter 16, he commissions them, and he says, these signs shall follow those. And he says that they will cast out demons, they will heal the sick, they will cleanse the lepers, they will get bit by snakes, and it won't hurt them. All kinds of crazy stuff is going to happen. And anyways, when you read through Acts, all those things happen. The church actually walked in that. And God wants us to walk in that as well. So on page 18, Romans ten nine through 14 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For whoever will call on the name, to call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How do they know? How do people get saved? Because someone brings the good news to them. Amen? Who does God want to use to bring the good news? He wants to use you. He wants to use you. He wants to use you, 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 you. He's called all of us to be witnesses, okay? And so I want to get three people to come up really quickly, and then we're going to do an activity. Okay, come up here. Yeah, two kids, come on. All right, one adult. Let me get an adult. It's not going to be an embarrassing activity, I promise. All right, come on, let's give him a hand. All right, Landon, you can, you can come stand right here. No, no, you're the judge. He already knows this, so he's trying to, he wants to be a certain part of the play. Uh, no, you get to be this person. Okay. So what, I, what I'm going to do is, what's your name? So Colton is on trial, okay? So come on over here, Colton. Come right here. You're the witness. You're going to be the witness. You're going to be the judge. Okay. So in Acts chapter one, come here, Colton. So in Acts chapter one, Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses and I'll introduce them to Samaria to the ends of the earth. Okay. Put your hands behind your back, sir. Thank you, Colton. All right. Good job. You're in big trouble today. All right. So the Greek word that, uh, that Jesus uses is the Greek word martis. and Martis is a legal term that simply means witness which actually was a legal term that they used in the court of law. They basically played the role of a witness. And so when Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses, he was describing to them the nature of our ministry and the way that we would carry ourselves and the way that we would go out and proclaim the good news. Okay? So let's just uh, pretend that Colton was at the Wawa recently. And uh, according to someone, he was accused of putting... Uh, some Jolly Ranchers and some Sour Patch Kids in his back pocket and leaving the store without making a payment. That's his accusation, but he's innocent until proven guilty. So we don't know if Colton did that. We're not sure. I think he's a good kid, but he has been accused. And so he's here on trial with his hands behind his back because he has fake handcuffs on right now. Pretend like handcuffs. There you go. Ooh, big trouble. All right. So (laughs) Colton's here on trial. And he's been accused of stealing the candy. Now, what we're going to pretend is that on that morning, as Colton was going to school, he went in there, he went into the store, and he supposedly took uh, some of the candy that, uh, that was there and, and left the store. Remind me of your name? So James was actually heading to work, Okay. And James was running late, but suddenly he realized he needed to uh, stop there uh, for, for a very specific reason really quickly. But he had to go, like, in there fast, okay? So James, he, he runs into the Wawa, literally runs. And he gets in there, and as he's running in, he runs into this young man right here and literally knocks him over. And when he knocks him over, Sour Patch Kids and Jolly Ranchers go everywhere. And then he runs and he gets the bathroom. And then he, he doesn't see Colton leave. He doesn't see Colton do anything. But he goes in the bathroom. And when he comes back out, Colton is gone. Okay? So let's just pretend that that is James' witness. Now, Landon here, he serves, he serves as the judge. His job is to determine whether or not Colton is guilty. Now he, he said he's guilty. So now based on what James said, it sounds like Colton did have some unique interest in Jolly Ranchers and also in, in the Sour Patch Kids. But I don't, it, it, we're not really sure because James didn't see him leave the store. So it's not illegal to have them in your pocket, but to not pay for them and leave is, is not okay. So now here's the reality. James... When he comes in and he gets in the court of law and, and, and Colton's there waiting and Landon's listening, when James shares that evidence, even though technically it doesn't really sound like it's incriminating evidence for Colton, James is doing a perfect job as a witness because his job is just to simply tell the judge and the court what he saw and what he heard. And so whether or not he, he saw Colton in the store whether or not he saw Jolly Ranchers and and Sour Patch Kids, whether or not he even knew Colton was there that day, if he was there at that time and he was called to come give a witness, whatever he saw, whatever he heard in the experience, when he shares that, he's doing a good job as a witness. Does this make sense? His job is not to convict him. In fact, if he makes something up to try to convict Colton, he goes to jail, right? So his job is just to share simply what he's seen and what he's heard. So when Jesus says that you will be my martyrs, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth, here's what he's saying. He's saying that our job is just to share what we've seen and what we've heard, to share our testimony, to, you know, witnesses give testimony. Their job is just to give testimony. It's not their job to convict, okay? Okay. The Bible says that no one can come to the Father unless he himself draws them to himself. Amen? Amen? So nobody in the earth can get saved unless God draws them and saves them himself. Like, we can't save anyone, okay? But Jesus commissioned us to go and make disciples and to be witnesses. So our job is never to convict someone, but our job is just to simply share so I want to give you an illustration concerning uh, evangelism. When we go to someone, if we're a witness, our the measure of our success is not based on whether or not they get saved in the moment, but it is it that we were faithful to share with them our testimony and share with them the good news. because it's God's job to convict them, right, to get them saved. It's his job, not ours. It's our job just to share what we've seen and what we've heard. A lot of times we don't do evangelism because we think we have both jobs. Like we think we're, we're to convict them and we're to share. And so we, you know, we sense the Lord's telling us to go share with our coworker over here. Let's say you work with me. And I sense the Lord saying to share with you. But if I think it's my job to get you saved, I'm I may not do it because what if I fail? right? We don't like to fail, right? That's another fear that we commonly have, a fear of failure. So if I think it's my job to get you saved, I may not say anything to you because what if you don't? That means I did a bad job doing evangelism. But here's the reality is evangelism is not based on how many people you get converted, but it's based on your commitment to obey the Holy Spirit. Uh, A lot of people think of evangelism as like getting notches on a belt, like, okay, we're going to go out and get some souls. Come on. You ready, Colton? And we go out, and we get some souls, right? We get like, I, I, I got 10 people to pray this sinner's prayer with me, right? Or I got five, right? And we're like, oh, man, the guy with 10, he's so good at evangelism. I got zero souls. I'm horrible. <laughs> okay. If he went out and witnessed to 20 people, and you went out and shared your testimony with 20 people, both of you, if you were both... Sharing your testimony and being faithful, you both did an awesome job, okay? How do we measure success in evangelism? We measure it based on our obedience to what Jesus has asked us to do, not what what God is supposed to do, amen? Let's give these three a hand for coming up here. And you're not guilty. We just declare you're not guilty. Colton, you're free. You can, yeah, take the handcuffs off. Okay, so here's what's awesome. You're liberated from trying to think that it's your job to get people saved. It's not your job to get people saved. Your job is just to share what you've seen and what you've heard. If you study the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul shared the gospel two ways. One, he pointed people to the scriptures. Two, he told people his testimony. Uh, the Apostle Paul only brought up the scriptures when he was preaching to Jews who already had an understanding of the Torah and the, the, uh, the, the scriptures. You know what he, uh, You know what he taught or what he said to the Gentiles? The Gentiles had no understanding of the Bible. He didn't even mention the Bible, not once, when he preached the gospel to Gentiles. You know what he used to preach to them? His personal story. It's recorded like three or four times in the Book of Acts, where he talks about what he did. And every time that the every time that the Apostle Paul preached, he used his personal story to bring them into the kingdom of God. And then he would begin to point them to Scripture and disciple them. We know that through the Book of Romans and Corinthians that he did teach them the Scripture eventually. But he used the scripture, and then he also used his personal story. And so many times, I'll I'll use some of both. Let me give you an illustration. For example, if I'm on a college campus, a lot of times, if I talk to someone who has an understanding of the Bible, they have an understanding of of, uh, kind of Christianity, or maybe they grew up in it, a lot of times I'll point them to one of my favorite verses, Matthew 6.33. It says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added unto you. So I'll bring up that scripture. I'll say, you know, one of my favorite things that Jesus said was this, and I'll quote the scripture, and then I'll share with them my testimony about how I discovered that when I seek God first, he provides for everything else that I need, and he takes care of me. And I tell them, I say, listen, you're tempted in school right now to think that if you could just get the right career, the right girl, the right family, you know, whatever, that your life, that you're going to make it. But the reality is, like, you need to seek God first, make him number one in your life, And he's going to provide all these other things for you. Amen? And so many times I'll share the gospel in that context in that way, and I'll use a little bit of both. In other times, I may not bring up a scripture at first. I may just start to tell people what God did in my life. Other contexts, like for instance, if I'm on a plane to Israel and I'm sitting next to a Hasidic Jew, I'm not going to necessarily share my testimony. I'm going to open up the Old Testament and show him how obviously In the Old Testament, throughout it, it points to Jesus Christ uh, as the Messiah. So when I'm I'm with people that have a context with Scripture, I'll use Scripture to point to Jesus. If I'm with people who really have no understanding, many times I'll use my story to share with them the good news. Amen? Amen. Every single one of you has a story. What I want to do right now is we're going to do an activity where you're going to write down your story. Okay? Here's how I write down my story. I want everyone here to be equipped... To share your testimony. I try to share my testimony at least one time per day. Okay? Here's how I do it a lot of times. So let's pretend he's the clerk at the hotel. Hey, are you ready to check in? Yeah, I'm ready to check in. What are you guys doing here? Oh, testimony. Oh. This guy's my waiter. <clears throat> hey, how are you guys doing today? Great, 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 great. Doing well. What are you guys doing? Where Where you guys been today? Oh, well. I went to church this morning. You know, when I was 21 years old, you know, I just, my testimony at the gym, you know, wherever, I try to find every single, if you ask me a question in public, I'm probably going to share the gospel with you. Like, stay away from me if you don't want to hear the good news. Because every single question, every single conversation, I can easily turn into a reason to tell you for the hope that I have in Christ. Because I know my testimony and I'm quick to share it. We should be quick to share our story. Now, there's thousands and thousands of times I've told people my testimony. Absolutely nothing happened. No one got saved. I didn't even pray for them. It was just like a seed I planted in their life. And then I left. You know, and a lot of those times, I believe that the Lord can use that later in their life, maybe even later that night. And so our job, again, is not to convict people or convert them. Our job is to just to share our stories with them, okay? So I want you to be equipped to share your story. So get your booklet out. Turn over to the next page. So it says, write your testimony here. I actually don't want you to fill up both of these pages because it will take you the next 45 minutes, which is how much time we have. And we have a couple more activities that I want to do. I condense my testimony into three bullet points. And this is how I think about it. I also have like 50 different testimonies. So if I'm hanging out with this guy at a coffee shop, what I share with you about what God's done for me and in my life may be different than if I'm with you or if I'm with you or if I'm with you. It doesn't mean I'm not changing, I'm not lying to you, but here's what I'm doing. I'm being selective to share parts of my story that I sense from the Holy Spirit that you can resonate with. For for example, if I'm around, like if I'm on Harvard University, let's say I've been going to New England a lot. When I'm in New England, in a lot of places, especially around extremely intellectual people, I don't ever, I don't even tell people I ever did drugs once in my life. Am I lying to them? No. But you know what I focus on? I focus on other aspects of my testimony that I believe that they can understand or resonate with. Why do I do that? Because if I'm on Harvard campus and this kid from China comes up to me and he's grown up in a prestigious Chinese family, you know, super rich Shipped off to Harvard. He's 19 years old. He speaks a little bit of English. And he meets some guy who's like, yeah, I did a bunch of drugs and blah, 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 you know, Jesus. And he's like, you know, then what he thinks is, okay, people who do drugs, they need Jesus, but I don't need Jesus. You know how, like people will write off your story. If you focus so much on the sin behavior, they might say, well, of course you needed him. So what I do is my testimony is not about my sin. My testimony is all about Jesus. Here's the amazing thing. Whether or not you ever spun off the deep end or did a bunch of bad things, you have a pow- powerful testimony. There's a quote on the previous page. I'm just going to quote it to you. You don't have to look back. But it says this, the power of your testimony is not based on how far you had to go to come back into the grace of God, but it's, it, has, it has everything to do. The power of your testimony has everything to do with the one that you found when you came to the Lord. The power in your testimony is not you and your badness. That's not what makes your testimony great. You know what makes your testimony great? Who you found. Like, you could talk for an hour about all your bad stuff and then in one minute about Jesus. The one minute about Jesus is more important than the hour about all your bad stuff that you did. People don't need to hear about your bad stuff. Now, sometimes they need to hear it to be able to resonate with you and not think that you're some, like, Holier than thou, kind of a person. Like you've never been there, done that. But a lot of times we tend to focus on, well, I never did. Like, like Andrew, I never did drugs. Like, I'm not. I don't have a good testimony like you. That's such a lie. Good testimonies are not the testimonies where people spun off and do bad things. Like, you know, I I, I did a training like this at a youth group, and a girl came up to me afterwards. I did this session, and she said, when I was 14, she's like, group in youth group, I heard all these bad stories over and over and over again. And she said, I literally went out and slept with a bunch of guys and did a bunch of drugs because I had to go get my testimony. You know what happened? The church literally discipled this little girl that in order to have a testimony, she had to go be bad and then become good. Like, that's not actually unusual. We in the church a lot of times train people to think that to get a good testimony, you have to go from bad to good. But that's not what makes your testimony powerful. Your testimony is powerful because of Jesus. So here's the three bullet points you're going to write down right now. Before Jesus, when you met him, and what it's been like since. Can I give you guys another example? One more example. Before Jesus, I I struggled with severe panic disorder. I was actually prescribed medication because I had horrible panic attacks. When I was 21 years old, I had an encounter with Jesus. One of the names for him in the Bible is the Prince of Peace. Since then, in 10 years, I take no medication I've had no panic attacks in 10 years. Now, in less than 45 seconds, I just shared with you my testimony. I didn't mention any of my drug addiction. I didn't mention any of that. But I said before, when I met him, and what it's been like since. So that is how you construct a testimony. That testimony I just shared wasn't about anxiety. It was about how Jesus is the Prince of Peace, okay? The focal point of your testimony is not you and your sin, it's always him, okay? Who has struggled with a lie Believing you don't have a powerful testimony. Who am I speaking to right now? Raise your hand high. You say, I don't, I've always struggled with that, thinking I don't have a story. Okay, I'm just gonna smash that right now. Okay, that's a lie. You have a powerful story. Sorry, I just, just shot coffee everywhere. Stand up right now if that was you. Let me just pray. Let me just pray. If you struggle with that. Father, I just pray for those that, Are saying they've struggled with this lie, thinking they don't have a story to tell. Father, I pray that you would show them that they have a powerful testimony to tell people about you. Lord, that their story is not about them or having to go through all this bad stuff, but it's always about you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just receive that right now. Say, "I I have a powerful testimony. Say it out loud. I have a powerful testimony. Say it again. I have a powerful testimony. I have a powerful testimony. One more time. I have a powerful testimony. I have a powerful testimony. One more time. I have a powerful testimony. I have a powerful testimony. You guys are starting to believe it. All right, good. Sit down. Write those three things down. I'm going to give you a couple minutes. Jonathan's going to come up. We're going to do an activation. We're going to talk about the prophetic and hearing God's voice. Come on up, Jonathan. Go ahead and write down three bullet points. Before, where did you meet him? What has it been like since? Write one sentence for each. This isn't comprehensive. This is like a a memory marker to remind you what you would want to talk about. A memory marker would be like a bullet point that you could talk about for a few minutes if needed, okay? So it's kind of like when you write sermons, you don't want to write out your whole sermon. You want to put memory markers to help you remember where you want to go, what you want to talk about. So make those bullet points right now. When you get done, raise kind of hold your hand up when you're done. Just kinda of hold it up. Okay. Okay, if you have a question, ask it right now. What's your question? Uh, so I
1: mean I don't understand how you minister to someone without sharing the dark part of your mind. I mean my encounter with Jesus was through you
0: know, something dark in my mind. So you can you can mention it, but that's not the focal point. Yeah. So write, write it the way it is. Don't, yeah is. Don't, don't feel like you need to change it. I was more sharing what I just said to the people who never really went through dark stuff like that because they struggle more with, I don't know that I have something to say because so many of us think our testimonies are about the dark stuff when it's not. It's about Jesus. So if you went through some hell, write about it. It's okay. Just write a bullet point. You know, went through addiction – Struggled in this area, you know, sexual perversion, whatever. Like, if you went through some of that, write about it. But then that next bullet point, you know, in June of 2018 or whatever, this is where I met the Lord. This is what happened. And then what has it been like since? So just write those three bullet points down. So what I would do is just condense whatever it is that you're thinking of into a sentence just to remind you how you would sort of articulate that. Any other questions?
1: I want to say to that, too, um, I think a lot of people, I think the main point of that is a lot of people will, will also try to elaborate too much and too long going into that, thinking I've got to really get this person on my side. And they'll really try to just go too in depth when really they're hungry for where's the change? Where's the power at? And I think it's not so much mentioning that. We definitely want to mention that. It's, it's exactly what he's saying is, is we've got to find that, you know, Holy Spirit Draw. What is the point in your testimony that for that person in front of you, but going too far into it, you don't have to do that. It's about the power. People need to know it's a journey. It's just a journey. It's ups and downs, but it's a journey. It's a beautiful journey. I think when you just said, it's a journey. What if you don't have just one moment when you can say, this is when I met the Lord, but you've kind of always known him and you have some significant encounters with him along the way because it's a journey, but maybe not one moment that you can remember.
0: Yeah, so I would point to a moment that you can remember. It's good. Like, those are like altars, So the the people of Israel built altars to remind themselves of what the Lord has done. It was a testimony to their future generations. So just pick one, you know. Like, for instance, one testimony that I heard that was super powerful, a girl shared one time. We did a testimony service at church. It was just testimonies. She didn't even talk about herself. She talked about her mom and dad. They were getting divorced. Right before they got divorced, they both got saved. God healed their marriage, and they're still together to this day. When she shared her story, people all across the church started crying. The Holy Spirit just crashed in. All these other people were sharing their story. She didn't even talk about herself. She just talks about her family, what God did, and that was a marker point, and it wasn't even her. So maybe even you watch something happen in a part of your family too. You could, you could mention that. So if, if you have that same experience where it's just kind of I've always been following the Lord, try to think of markers in your life. Like my dad, I know, when he went to college, he was discipled by the Navigators. Now, he got saved when he was 13, but I know that was a marking period in his life, those four years being discipled by the navigators. That was a, a big period of his life. Yeah. So I, sometimes I just share like where I was not concerned whether or not they can relate to it because it's my story and it's okay that we have a different story. I'm just, the reason I brought that up is sometimes I just want to be sensitive to what I share. And even what's interesting is sometimes I'll be around someone and God will want me to bring up a part of my, like you might get around some guy and you're at a bookstore or whatever. And the Lord says like, tell him about the divorce and you need to go deep. And he's like, dude, I'm in that right now. You know, I'm going through what you're facing or what you went through. So be sensitive to that. But also, just share your story. Like, don't, don't stress about it at other times. But, yeah, start with kind of where you were, what happened, and, uh, and, and, and then what happened after that.
1: I, I really feel the Holy Spirit also saying some of you are going to be writing about what happened tonight, what God did in your life tonight. Some of you may have came in here with fear. And as Andrew was sharing, and, and we went through that activation, you got delivered from that, and you experienced peace in your heart. you know? Whatever it may have been that you denounce, I think some of you are just going to write 30 seconds. And, and a lot of this is for the point of if you're with somebody on an elevator, you know, how, how you you got 15, 20 seconds, or 30 seconds, however long, what are you going to share in that moment? Listen, God came in. I was just an hour ago, or a year ago, I was struggling with anxiety. And all of a sudden, I had this night where I just experienced peace come over my life for the first time ever. Have you ever experienced peace? Have you ever experienced, like, true peace? You don't know how many people you'll meet that will say, no, I haven't really experienced that. Well, let me invite Jesus to come in your heart. Or do you want to invite peace, Jesus, to come in your heart, you know?
0: These are good questions. I like questions. I want to say something about questions. Questions are the most powerful way to lead someone to the Lord. So a lot of times when I'm ministering to someone and I might share my testimony, like Jonathan was saying, ask them a question. You can lead someone to a certain place if you're the one asking all the questions. A lot of times we think of evangelism as, okay, I got to like have a perfect spiel and it's a sales pitch. And if I say a good sales pitch, they're going to catch the hook or whatever, right? I'm going to get them. But a lot of times, even evangelism, I've learned is is asking you, hey, what's your dream? Cool. Where'd you grow up? Did you go to church? What do you think about God? Why do you think that? Have you ever thought about Jesus? Yeah. Do you think Jesus raised from the dead? If he actually did, what do you think that means for you? You see how I'm leading someone with a series of questions? I'm not forcing something down their throat. But what I'm doing is I'm inviting questions. So you can share your testimony and then start leading them with questions. That's a powerful way. Uh, that's a powerful way to begin to have a gospel conversation with, with someone. You see how I was just kind of modeling that, but that's, that's what I would do. Like if I was trying to have that conversation with you, I would maybe share with you some things, but then I'm going to start asking you questions because I, I, I want you to start talking. How many guys are done right now? You wrote down your three, three points. Who still needs a minute or you're, you're puzzled? Raise your hand. Okay, cool. So here's what I want to encourage you guys to do. The next seven days, I want you to try to find at least one person. It can be your wife. It can be your friends, whatever. But start telling your story and start practicing. So who will commit over the next few days to do that? Raise your hand. Okay, seven days commitment. Sharing your story. I'm committing too. Amen. Let's talk about hearing God's voice. Let's go over to the next section right now. So uh, Jesus said, my sheep, they'll hear my voice. We were created to hear the voice of God. The Bible says that God has given us gifts in the Holy Spirit. And one of those gifts is the gift of prophecy. After tonight, I want to encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. If you read the beginnings of First Corinthians chapter 14, the Apostle Paul, he says that we should earnestly desire the gifts, especially that we might prophesy. What is prophecy? Prophecy is hearing what God's saying and sharing it with other people. So it's asking, it's hearing, it's sharing. Okay, so that's what prophecy is. It's three things. Asking God, what do you say? Hearing, listening to him, and then sharing with others. Many times when I give prophetic words to people, I have no idea if what I'm about to share with them is accurate in any way. And sometimes it's very, very accurate, and sometimes it's not. How do I learn whether or not I'm hearing the voice of the Lord or not? I have to begin to practice learning to hear the voice of God. Well, some of you might say, well, that's, that's bad. You're being a false prophet. Well, in the New Testament, the Bible says that we're supposed to test prophecy, that, that every time someone gives a prophetic word, that you're supposed to test those prophetic words. Why? Because there was room in the early church for words to be given by the Holy Spirit, but they always tested them because sometimes people would miss it and people would be wrong. And so there was room for that. They didn't stone prophets If they were wrong, they allowed the gift of prophecy to operate in the church. Another interesting thing is that not only were men prophesying in the early church, but also women were very commonly prophesying in the early church. The gift of prophecy is a gift that's open to every single believer, not just those who operate in the role of a prophet. Those are two different things. A prophet and a Christian who can prophesy are different, okay? There's a difference there. The Bible says in Acts chapter two, quoting uh, Joel chapter two, that God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh and that his sons and daughters would say it loud, Prophesy. prophesy. I love that word. Sorry. That was fun. He said sons and daughters would prophesy. Okay. What that means is if you're a son and a daughter of God, God wants to use you to prophesy And again, I want to point you to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where the Apostle Paul exhorts the church to earnestly desire the gifts, especially that they might prophesy. Why is prophecy important? Because it's it's a way to encourage, edify, and strengthen believers. But also the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that it's a sign to unbelievers that God is surely with us. So not only does it encourage like if I gave you a prophetic word, hopefully it would encourage you, edify you, and build you up. but also, if I begin to prophesy over someone who doesn 't know the Lord, and, or I begin to operate in words of knowledge, which is similar but it 's different, those gifts of the Holy Spirit will actually convict that person that God is alive, that he 's real, and that he 's that he's moving, and, and people, many, many people uh, come to the Lord when you begin uh, to, to prophesy to people that will draw people. To, uh, to Christ. In fact, one time I went to a stand where there was a bunch of uh, uh, palm readers, and I got a word of knowledge and a prophetic word for them. I gave the older woman a word of knowledge. She got healed. I gave the young girl who wanted to read my palm. I gave her a prophetic word. She got radically touched, and the Holy Spirit said, "Leave." So I left immediately. I leave, and I'm sort of like hiding at this park, just like hanging out resting. And one of my friends, Dennis, comes and finds me. He said, bro, he said, the the fortune tellers are looking for you. And I was like, oh, no. I was like, that sounds scary. He's like, dude, come back right now. And I was like, all right. So he drags me back down to the fortune teller tent. And those two ladies are gone. And there's a woman there. And she's like, hello, are you Andrew? And I'm like, yeah. And she said, we thought you were an angel. And I was like, excuse me? She said, we thought you were an angel. And I was like, "Okay." And she's like, She's like, my sister and my niece told me what you did. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, they told me what happened. And I've called my entire family, and I want you to tell them everything you told my sister and my niece. I'm buying you lunch. What can I get you? And I was like, okay. And so she bought my whole team lunch. We stood under the fortune teller's tent. She called her whole family. Her whole family comes, and I got to preach the gospel, and all except one of those young men gave their lives to Jesus Christ right there under a fortune teller's tent in Pennsylvania one time. Why? Because I was operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, the, and God was glorified in their midst and they realized that God was, was real, that Jesus was real and they wanted that in that moment. Amen? Amen. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna do an activity and, uh, and also I want Jonathan to speak, speak to it as well. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna close tonight. We're not gonna go into healing. If you wanna uh, do the session on healing, you could do that online. Or we'll come back another time when we'll talk more about um, the healing. We'll talk about some other, even maybe we could do deliverance, which I think is a powerful ministry in the church that we need as well. But um, what I want to do is, is um, I want to pray. We're going to model some prophetic words. And then, and then uh, if, if you want to share anything, you can. And then what we're going to do is actually have you guys sit in your table and we're going to practice uh, giving, giving each other um, encouraging words as we close out the night, okay? Does that sound fun? Three of you are like, yes. The rest of you are like, what is this guy talking about? Like, All right, let's pray. Holy Spirit, come right now. I just thank you, Lord, that you're here. Thank you, Lord, that you want us to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, to, to speak into one another. And I, I just declare, um, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven, Lord. And, and Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come and to speak and encourage people in the room. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I have a word for you right here with the cats. What's your name? Jared, Jared cool. Well, uh, so I feel like the Lord, I feel like the word that the Lord uh, gave to me, just specifically for you, is I feel like the Lord wants me to encourage you that the victory is yours. So I don't know if there's an area of your life where you've been like contending and fighting and you feel like there's been a struggle, and I feel like the Lord says that the victory is yours, but that there's, there's breakthrough and there's victory in your life. And the struggle, uh, maybe this isn't true. I could be totally wrong, but I just feel like the Lord says that he's bringing the struggle to an end, and he's giving you the victory that you're longing for. Does that speak to you? Does that make sense or does it not make sense? You can be totally honest. Okay, do you feel like it speaks to where you're at right now? Okay, cool. So we're going to just pray for Jared. So I want to address one thing. I said I feel like, and I said I could be wrong. When I gave him that word, I'm not saying, the Lord says, Jared. <laughs> he says, you know, I don't want to put pressure on him. I want him to be able to say, you're wrong, dude. Like, that's not right. And that's okay if I'm wrong. Like, I can take it. But he says he resonates with it. And I even tell people, be honest right now. Like, Please. So he said, yeah. And so now I just want to pray into that. So Father, I just pray for Jared that you would release your presence. God, I thank you for releasing peace and breakthrough. Thank you that he's here tonight. God, I just sense there's a deep hunger in his heart, Lord, for more of you. And, uh, and I just sense just such a longing. And um, God, I feel like you're calling him into a deep prayer life in this coming season. And Father, I just pray grace would come upon Jared to pursue you when no one's looking to start to read the word of God and start to pray earnestly and to seek your face. And I just declare that word, the victory is yours in Jesus Christ. That There is victory and breakthrough. Whatever you've been struggling through, God is bringing liberty and freedom today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I have a word. Do you have one? I want to give one to the lady in the red, right here, right here. Yeah. So, so for you, I, I see. Um, I. So I just, I get really simple words for people. These aren't like super profound, and that's okay. But I'm just trying to model. Um, so I see a pearl, and I feel like the Lord says that you've been, you've been tested, and that there's been a lot of refining. But I feel like the Lord says there's such a beauty in what you carry, and even in your story. And when I think of a pearl, I think of a rock that has actually been. Uh, rubbed and all the rough areas have been rubbed away in such a way that it becomes something that's absolutely beautiful. And I feel like the Lord says that you're a pearl and that you're, you're beautiful in His sight. And he, he says that everything the enemy tried to bring to destroy you, to distract you, and to hurt you, that God has turned that into a beautiful place in your life. And I see the Lord taking the obstruction, the distractions, even I just see sickness that's come, that, that, that uh, has tried to um, distract and bring pain. I feel like the Lord says that he's even just taking all that and he's bringing like a pearl into your life. And that it's a beautiful thing. And the Lord says that you're beautiful in his sight. Amen? Does that speak to where you're at or d- does that encourage you? Yes. Okay. <laughs> What's her name? Sandy. Sandy. Father, we just pray right now for Sandy. We thank you for those rough edges that have been worn off, even through hard things. But God, even more than that, we thank you for the beauty that she carries right now, the beauty that you've formed in her. God, and we just thank you for the character of Christ that has been formed in her. We pray that that beauty would bring you glory everywhere she goes. Thank you for the testimony that she carries. And I just just speak... um, I command weight that you've been feeling to leave you right now. I just sense there's been a weight on your shoes, almost like you've been wearing these lead shoes. It's like hard to get around. I see the Lord lifting that weight, bringing that weight off. I feel like the Lord says you're going to run faster than you've ever run in your life. Even in these years that you're stepping into, you're like, oh, that doesn't make sense. The Lord says you will run faster in these coming years than you've ever run. You're going to run harder and faster in Jesus' name. And I just speak that every single thing that's trying to hold you back is broken today. And you're set free to run for Jesus. Amen. Bless Sandy. Wow, Billy Joel, come on! Thank you, Jesus. It's probably playing on a vinyl up there in uh, in heaven. Wow.
1: Hey, I, is there anybody at that table going through a time of mourning right now? Anybody at that table? Yeah. Are you? Yeah, well, even on the way to this event, I had uh, my fiancé text me and said, somebody there is mourning, and God says he's going to fill them with joy tonight, <laughs> and it's over with. The wow. season's over with. Wow. Amen. So, and, and as you were talking, I just felt like that table, I just felt drawn to that table. And so I think it's for you. And so I just declared that over you. What's your name? Angela. Angela. Father, in Jesus' name, I declare this is a new season for Angela I declare the old is gone, the morning is gone, and it's joy time, Lord. It's joy time. In Jesus' name for Angela, I thank you over her and her entire family that there would be a season of joy, and God, that there would be such a supernatural joy that people would get saved. I even see your aunt getting saved. I in Jesus' name, I declare her aunt would be saved. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. And anybody else that needs to be saved. Jesus' name. Have you been praying for your aunt? Yeah. My aunt and my cousin. Come on. In Jesus' name, we declare their salvation in the name of Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand for that.
0: Wow. Thank you, Lord.
1: Yeah. Hey, I'm just going, I'm just going to be outrageous. This guy right here in the glasses. Do you have a business? Do you own a business or have any? You do? Okay. I'm just going to be really crazy here. Um, and, and I'm just going to preference this. God works through your imagination. He gave you your imagination so you don't have to feel like, oh, is that me or is that God? You, you take these risks. And, and I just feel like the Lord says you have influence over the people that are working for you. And, and you're going to begin to see people get saved in your workplace like you've never seen before. Is there a guy named Jose? Not yet. Okay. you have any any Hispanic people working for you? Not yet. Okay, all right. So see, and, and I and I really felt like the Lord also wants to encourage you. I've seen people get saved through a wrong word of knowledge. Through a wrong thing, through just taking a risk. Why? Because we're super transparent with people. I'm telling this guy, look, I'm just here learning to hear the voice of the Lord here. I, I'm not perfect. I haven't I'm not, you know, gonna say everything exactly correct. And so I just want to give us all permission in the room to be wrong, all right? Because we're learning. This is a, a learning journey. If everything we say is right, then what happens? We become super Christians. We we get a hothead. You know, we don't we don't need the Lord anymore because everything we've got, we're perfect. And I just want to say over us tonight because we need to know how to deal with those kind of things. Now, I, I feel like I, I have no idea who you are. I've never met you in terms of, you know, talking outside of just random chat, but the Lord showed me that you're a business owner, and the Lord showed me that you have people that are under you, and and that you're going to bring salvation to those people. Now, the other things I got wrong, but I mean, who knows? Jose may come tomorrow, or whatever. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray over my friend here. And I just declare God's supernatural breakthrough in the workplace in Jesus' name. Yes, so Salvation's on. in the name of Jesus. Just outrageous like he's never before seen in his entire life. I want to share a, a cool story really quick. Hold minute. on one second. Okay.
0: I got yeah. to work. Well, maybe. I might be wrong. Does anyone here work on computers or you do like IT? Right here? Okay. Do you work on computers? Software? What do you do? Okay. Yeah, I don't know who is it for. Maybe, maybe a few of you. But here, I feel like the Lord wants me to encourage you, all of you. I, I saw someone at, a, at like a, a, a keyboard, and I feel like it wasn't just because we all use keyboards, but I feel like it was someone who specifically works from a keyboard doing software or some sort of design. I feel like God's giving you guys, uh, maybe for you or one of you, specifically an idea that is an innovative way uh, to reach people. And so I feel like the Lord wants to begin to download and even connect you with people that are doing innovative uh, ways to preach the gospel. And so I just see the Lord using you guys, your, your understanding of technology and taking that to a whole new level uh, to, it, to bring influence and to bring the gospel specifically in India and Sri Lanka and then all throughout like Southeast Asia. I see even like Indonesia being reached uh, with that. So anyways, be encouraged and, and pray into that. Amen.
1: So good, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, basically, I, I really feel like, um, and even just in practical use, um, you always just go up to people and, and even going back to testimonies and how do I really enter into that. I feel like the Lord wanted me to go back to that is the reality that um, when you walk in the way of love, it just becomes natural. All right, First Corinthians 14, again, it says, walk in the way of love, and eagerly desire the gifts. It's part of the journey of just lo- falling in love with the person in front of you. Yeah. Just loving them outrageously. And here's the other big thing. Is I'd rather get, take a chance of getting something wrong and looking like an idiot than risk that person not hearing the voice of the Lord. Not hearing what God has for them. And potentially going to hell or potentially losing that opportunity. Is, does that make sense? I'd rather step out. And risk looking stupid, if, if that's even a thing. I mean, once you die to yourself, you don't care what other people think. But I'm just saying, for the sake of understanding this whole thing and how important this is, one word from God for somebody can do more than a thousand counseling sessions, a thousand sermons. Because when you hear that God's actually aware of you, it changes everything. It changes everything. It's not just this cultural talk. And again, our, our, this section, this piece is actually a lot easier. Why? Because y'all have all already heard the voice of the Lord th- today in the identity section. It, at least most of you heard God say something to you. And I just want to highlight that. That was God speaking to you. Like if you wrote something down, that's God speaking to you. That's huge. And that's what the voice of the Lord sounds like. And Andrew's always given this illustration, and I just say it all the time and don't give him credit generally. But he says that, that, you know, people have this thing where, where, you know, they know when they're being convicted about sin and, and, and God's telling them things they do wrong. But they don't want to acknowledge the fact that God might want to say something that they're doing right or say, go here or go there or actually guide them, you know. So I just felt impressed to say that. Um, Let's yeah. do an
0: activity real quick. We got just a, a couple minutes. I want you guys to close your eyes. And uh, for those of you that just have a couple people at your table, go sit. Go sit at. Uh, go, come join this table. All right, close your eyes. All right, and uh, if you would go, go to this table right here, actually, because that table's pretty stuffed. All right, we're gonna take a couple minutes. And uh, I want you to just just pray right now. Set your mind on the Lord. He wants to speak to you right now. And what I'm going to do is Jonathan and I, we're actually going to go around the room. We're going to pick one person that's in the circle. And I want everyone to have your eyes closed so you don't know who it is. And after we pick those people, you're not going to know. So you don't know who it is. But we want you, if you are not picked, to ask the Lord how he feels about that person, how he would have you encourage that person, what he enjoys about that person. So we're gonna do this real quick. We're gonna come around, we're gonna pick someone. If you get tapped, you just quietly listen. If you are not tapped, what I want you to do is we're gonna lead you in a prayer. And the first thing you think of or hear, I want you to share and just say, I feel like the Lord says, and uh, and then however he would have you encourage that person. And you guys are going to be doing it in your circle. And the whole time you share, keep your eyes closed, okay? So during the activity, we're going to take five minutes, three minutes to do this. And so, Jonathan, go ahead and go around and pick someone in the, in the circle. And so if I come and tap you, then that means that you're the one that's been picked,